The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Chelsea and Man City face the Madrids in the Champions League quarters. Also, Braga and their freewheeling haughters, Bodo Glimp sausage in the waters, and what Dortmund Leipzig taught us. All that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Week commencing April the 4th, and you're joining us on another Totally Football Show European edition. Well done you, listener. What a great choice you've made. We've got James Horncastle here. Hey, James. Hey, James. All right, you're heading off to Portugal in a bit. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Going to Lisbon. Yeah, nice. Alvaro Romeo's with us as well. Alvaro. Hello, guys. Nice. Like James, you don't have a lot of time for North Macedonia, Alvaro. Something that you guys have in common. <laughs> no. Yours is for geopolitical reasons. Uh, James for Qatar. Sporting reasons. Sporting reasons, yeah. <laughs> of course, we've got Julian Laurent along later. Torquist and Carson will be dropping by as well. And the very great Christoph Beerman too. Alvaro, what did you make of the World Cup draw for Spain? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but I've seen Spain paired up with more difficult opponents. I think mm. Germany is going to be a tough one, of course, even though Spain's record against Germany lately has been okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Spain has no excuse not to go through, really. I think that they should go through with six points at least. All right. The Blue Samurai, a.k.a. Japan, in that group with you, along with Costa Rica or New Zealand. There you go. Don't underestimate New Zealand. Mm. You all saw what happened with Italy in 2010. Yeah. True. Or Costa Rica. Look at what happened to Italy in 2014. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to ask me about Italy's <laughs> World Cup draw, James? Nothing to see here. <laughs> Before we go any further, a couple of bits of very sad news which have come in the last few days on the European front. One is Louis van Gaal announcing on Dutch television that he's got prostate cancer and has been suffering with it for some time. Our very best to him and to Sinisa Mihailovic, who who famously was diagnosed uh, with leukemia back in 2019 after becoming Bologna manager. A very illuminating book about his, his recovery and uh, just last week was announced that uh, the uh, illness has actually returned. So he's he's back in hospital. Best wishes to them both. Let's talk about some uh, happier uh, tidings now with some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Alvaro. Well, my moment of the week has to be Barcelona Camino, just uh, welcoming 91,000 people uh, in the Barcelona women's team against Real Madrid women's team. But if we focus just in the weekend, it has to be Pedri's goal against Sevilla. Se amaga, tira con la izquierda, la centra para Pedri. Pedri hace un amago, tirará o no, tira con la derecha, gol, 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 it was uh, one of those goals that uh, probably Camno will not forget in a while. I mean, he did a feint with the left foot to leave Rakitic on the floor, then another feint, this time with the right foot, to leave Diego Carlos on the floor, and then he, then he smashed the ball into the net, and Bono was totally incapable of reaching that uh, great shot by Pedri. Mm. It is the continuation. It, he was just so so casual, he was insouciant, he kind of calmly passes it almost past Bono. Yeah, I, I think that the, it was 
was kind of a strong shot, but uh, since it, it looks like Pedri does everything effortlessly, that he's a very light guy, uh, mm. he levitates on the pitch, it looks like some of the things uh, he does are a little bit harmless, but actually, uh, he, he has some weapons in him. And mm. it was a beautiful goal and the continuation of a great... Uh, incipient career that he's having at Barcelona, I wonder uh, what Barcelona's uh, situation would be like had Pedri been available for the manager the whole season, because mm. let's don't forget that he missed uh, the first half of the season with an injury. Right. And had Xavi been in charge the whole campaign as well? Remarkable. Absolutely. We'll talk about Barcelona a bit later on, but then our second level on points with Sevilla and Atletico Madrid. James, what about you? What moment of the weekend can you bring us? Well, Jose Mourinho gave us a lot of moments uh, over the weekend. Here is his press conference before the Sampdoria game where he correctly predicted that the second question would be about Nicolò Zaniolo and whether he's going to play him or not. And uh, Jose pulled out a piece of paper uh, from his tracksuit bottom pocket showing Secondo Domanda Zaniolo. Second question Zaniolo. Um, and, uh, Do you think he had a then... whole series of pieces of paper in there? Like third question Zaniolo. <laughs> Fourth question, what's your favourite breakfast? It's a good question. And then he, he kind of took on a journalist who asked him a really polite mm. question. And Mourinho had noted how uh, aggressive uh, and anti-Mourinho he had been on the radio just the day before. Um, and then uh, even we go to the, the Debit Italia, which he was not directly involved in between uh, Juventus and Inter you know, in November when things were going quite badly wrong for, for, for Jose. You know, they'd lost 6-1 to Bodo Klimt, lost to Milan. Um, he posted on Instagram how when Roma played Juventus, they didn't get to have their penalty retaken, despite Giorgio Chiellini encroaching into the penalty area. Whereas a week later, Juventus got to retake their penalty against Zenit uh, when that happened to them. And lo and behold, maybe because... Uh, Jose flagged this and half a million people liked it on Instagram. The referees had to take notice and what ultimately decided the Derby d'Italia, it was a, uh, a penalty that Wojciech Chesney initially saved from uh, Hakan Shalonolu, but it was retaken because mm. Matthias de Ligt was uh, adjudged to have encroached in the area and Shalonolu scored. So, so Jose did a kind of treble this weekend mm. um, in that he, he won his own game. His old club won their game. Juventus lost, which means he's only five points from the top four. Five points behind Juve. Crikey. All right, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Roma's rematch with that Bodo Glimp side that beat them 6-1 back in the Europa Conference League group stage, as you mentioned, in the course of today's show. But we're beginning, of course, with those Champions League quarterfinals. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begamblerware.org. Champions League, everybody. Woo! Games on Tuesday, games on Wednesday. On Tuesday, it's Manchester City against Atletico Madrid. And Benfica against Liverpool, the game that James is going to. Wednesday sees Chelsea take on Real Madrid and Villarreal against Bayern Munich. Alvaro, Atletico Madrid, can they complete the brace of Manchester sides? (laughs) 
It's going to be difficult. I think that this is a totally different challenge for Atletico de Madrid. But the truth is that when they had to play against Manchester United, Atletico was in a worse position than uh, it is now. And uh, since uh, they beat Manchester United, Atletico has been rocketing up. Uh, in fact, they haven't lost uh, any of the last eight games. They have had four clean sheets in the last eight games as well. And, you know, if there is a good moment for Atletico de Madrid to meet Manchester City, there is never one. But if there was one, it would be this one. Um, at the beginning of April, Joe Felix is playing the football of his career, probably right now at Atletico de Madrid. He knows that is his moment and he's playing like he knows it. And uh, he's enjoying himself a lot on the pitch. I believe that uh, Atletico um, will benefit from having back Yannick Carrasco, who didn't play any, any game against Manchester United. Uh, Savic uh, will probably consider this game very important too, and he, because he played for Manchester City, and he will be ultra-motivated. Uh, I believe that Reinildo, uh, the left-back that they signed in January, is... Um, making a huge contribution on the left for Atletico de Madrid too. So it's a decent moment for Atletico de Madrid, I would say. Uh, the team is playing with more confidence. They have gotten back some of the characteristics that made them uh, one of the strongest teams in Europe. Uh, this is not going to be enough, obviously, to think that Atletico, uh, they're going to find it easy against Manchester mm -hmm. City. Not at all. It's a proper class of styles. But in this class of styles, if you ask me a month ago, can Atletico de Madrid lay a glove against Manchester City? I would have told you definitely not because they are not defending well but right now they are defending very well so the class of styles is there I don't think that Atletico is going to change an iota what Simeone has been telling them to do for the last 10 years mm -hmm. and it's going to be pretty fascinating yeah uh, the only thing is that I believe that probably Simeone will wish that scoring a goal away could count double because uh, that has been normally one of the things that Atletico has used in their favour seven goals in his last eight for João Felix seven wins and a draw for Atleti in their last eight games clash of styles wise the rock is it of Simeone overcame the gonna say the paper of Ralph Ragnick but our man city the scissors what do you think James Horn Castle <laughs> is water wait no it's the other way around paper well. would have beaten okay so the paper of Simeone beat the rock yeah anyway over to you look I, I, I know that um, Atletico Madrid are, are not the Atletico Madrid of old, even though they showed that uh, against Manchester United, that they can still have that side to their game. But we've seen City in the past going to ties where they are heavily favoured um, and uh, be made to feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah, Lyon, uh, Monaco, and you know, Atletico, I would say, have as much about them, if not more, than those sides. Um, and Simeone is, is just such an expert at bringing you down to a level at which Atletico can, can beat you or at least find a way to beat you. I mean, it's, it's kind of still amazing that they got out the group, but they got out the group because I remember that game against Porto, I think, at the Dragao, where they just found a way to get under Porto's skin and players were sent off and all of a sudden the tie... Uh, well, for that game swung in their in their in their favour. So it's one of those games which is the trappiest of trap games um, mm. for a team, even as accomplished and as you know. I think we're all in agreement that City and Liverpool feel like two of the best sides the Premier League's ever produced at the moment. But we'll we'll have to see. I, I just feel that people are, are writing this Atletico side off too quickly, even though, as Alvaro says, their form 
over the last six weeks has, has been very respectable indeed. This will be the first ever meeting between these two clubs, remarkably. Only the fourth meeting between Guardiola and Simeone, who took over at the, the tail end of Pep's reign at, at Barca. His Atleti did, though, put uh, Guardiola's Bayern out of the 2016 Champions League semi-finals. That was on away goals, because remember them? Hmm. OK. <laughs> is this the game of the, of the Champions League quarterfinals, do you think? Or is it going to be I quite Chelsea-Real Madrid. Chelsea-Real Madrid, then Chelsea welcoming... The Marenghis to Stamford Bridge, their fortress home, where they, checks notes, got beat by Brentford 4-1 <laughs> this weekend. If Brentford beat them 4-1, crikey, what's, what's going to happen? Real Madrid, meanwhile, 2-1 winners at Celta Vigo. Of course, these two teams met each other in the Champions League last season. It was the semi-finals. Chelsea beat Real 3-1 over two legs. Who's better or worse off than last season, would you say, between these two sides? Real Madrid is a better team than they were last season. And I think that Chelsea is about the same team, or maybe a little bit worse if they don't win the Champions League again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this game is going to be very interesting. No one in Spain is talking about the revenge or anything like that, uh, because last season there was an understanding that Chelsea was much better in the tie, and therefore they deserve uh, to go through to the final. But I think that Real Madrid, for this game, uh, they are coming into this game in a bit of a sloppy form, in a bit of a dangerous moment. I know that numerically they've been really good this season. Uh, they've got 69 points in the league. I mean, with these numbers, they would be fighting for the Premier League as well in England. And uh, we have more or less all of us the acknowledgement that what Manchester City and Liverpool are doing is pretty amazing. Well, Real Madrid is kind of hitting the same numbers in Spain, which is really good. But at the same time, uh, they beat the other day Celta not comfortably at all. I think that the Celta deserves to draw against them. Against PSG, I would say that for the 70th, uh, 75% of the tie, PSG was better than Real Madrid, but they then, then they crumbled. Mm. And uh, against Barcelona, they lost 4-0. We well, this is the thing. That. And, uh, yeah. and that's why I'm saying that Real Madrid are having great results, but they are not getting into this game in a great form. Well, a fantastic comeback against the Parisians, but then absolutely taken apart by Barcelona. Presumably Chelsea be a little bit more switched on in this game than they were against the Bees, James. What do you think? Well, if they're not, James, I mean, there's probably no more ruthless side in Europe than Real Madrid. Um, you know, we saw that against PSG, where in the space of 10, 15 minutes, um, they were able to take advantage of the slightest mistake and the slightest kind of crack in, in PSG's psychology. Um, so Chelsea will have to be careful about that. This is a, a, a Real Madrid side that has immense experience in this competition and you know as much as you can maybe point to that defeat in the Barcelona game in the Clasico uh, if I recall correctly Alvaro they were without Karim in that game and uh, Carlo tried one of his wacky um, setups I don't think he'll he'll do the same um, in, in in this one so yeah, I, I, this one fascinates me because I, I, I tend to agree with with Alvaro, even though Chelsea had been on this great unexpected run of form amidst all the turmoil um, around uh, around the club over the last uh, month or so. The additions that they made to make the team even better in the summer can't get off the bench, you know, or, or can't, are not starting, you know, in terms of in, in terms of Lukaku. So, uh, so, so we'll see. I, I, yeah, I, I can't wait. To, uh, to watch this one, even though I'll be somewhere else. All right. Having Benzema is key. I mean, Benzema this season has scored 
in total 38 goals between club and country. This season alone, this is his best ever tally at the age of 34. It is very remarkable and he's the main man at Real Madrid. He's in double figures for assists as there well. Mm. All right, wow. Sounds like there's a strong chance we we could even get a Madrid derby in the semi-final. Or maybe Chelsea Man City. At the other side of the draw is Villarreal against Bayern and Benfica Liverpool. We'll talk about them next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. James, you're at the quarry Friday to see Braga Benfica. How'd that go? Yeah. Well, Benfica literally found themselves between a rock and a hard place. Nice, uh, yeah. James. Um, yeah, it's been a happy place for them to go over the last seven and a half years. They, they, they hadn't lost there until Friday night. Hmm. Um, and Nielsen Verissio, who's their caretaker manager, um, he tried to keep his powder dry uh, in, in this game ahead of Liverpool's uh, visit to Lisbon on, on, on well, tonight. Um, in that, yeah, he left Darwin Nunes, the, the star striker, on the bench. Uh, but when he found his team 2-0 down uh, against uh, the Braga side that Rangers will be facing in mm. the Europa League, he, he had to basically turn to Darwin, turn to uh, João Mario, uh, the former Inter, West Ham, Locomotive Moscow, uh, Sporting, Nice. Midfield player. He was on mm-hmm. that ma- magic mystery tour of, of loans uh, from Inter. And they got they got Benfica back into the game. Darwin got a goal and assist. Uh, and Jean Mario did play well, even though he, he's one of those players who just slows everything down. Um, but then, just as, as Benfica thought, yes, we're going to get a point or maybe go on and win this game, uh, they got caught cold uh, by, uh, by Braga. Um, and... I must must say I was really impressed by the pressing game um, that that Braga were able to uh, affect because Benfica <laughs> try as they might to pass their way out the back and control the game with possession they just could never hold on to the ball they kept giving it away and uh, and, and Braga deserved fully deserved winners um, so you know it, it was a it was a damaging defeat because Benfica are now nine points off. Um, sporting in second place so Champions League qualification or automatic Champions League qualification now looks like uh, it's done and they're not going to make it they'll have to go through the the playoffs again so unless they win the Champions League well so given they're out of contention for um, the the Primera Liga given they're out of the 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 cup as well in Portugal um, there's there's so much riding on this on this game for Benfica wow did you? I love that. Um, that that the Horta brothers with that, that yes. goal for Braga. Very nice. Yeah, lovely, lovely yeah. interplay between the two lads who grew up together. Um, do, what what chances do you think Benfica have, of course, uh, produced one of the surprises of the last sixteen when they knocked out the much touted Ajax? Do you think there's any chance of that happening to an unsuspecting Liverpool? I think it, it'll be very difficult. I think Ajax will have regrets about the, the first leg 
uh, in Lisbon, where they were in the lead and in control, and they allowed Benfica uh, back into the game. And then, you know, that second leg was was a, a smash and grab. It really was. And uh, I, I think to expect Benfica to play 180 minutes where they are essentially defending their own penalty area against Liverpool, and they did that really well at the Johan Cruyff Arena. I mean, Jan Vertonghen kind of really rolled back the years with, with Otamendi. Um, but, yeah, I would say that this this isn't a, a vintage uh, Benfica side. You know, even when it comes to some of the young talents in the, in the squad, yeah, there's uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who plays kind of in between the lines up front with, with Darwin Nunes. But aside from that, you've got Suleho Mete, who is pants for Torino and Milan. Mm. You've got Julian Weigel, who has been back in the Germany squad recently. Um, you've got those two old stages in Vertonghen and Otamendi. And then, and then Darwin um, up front, who, you know, given they will face a challenge to get into the Champions League group stages next year, it's going to be very difficult to envisage them keeping him. So um, so I think it's, it's difficult. But, you know, we do see surprises in the Champions League. I mean... Ajax have reached the semi-finals. Monaco have reached semi-finals. So mm-hmm. it seems improbable that Benfica would be able to follow them in, in doing that. But um, never say never, James. Never say never. By the way, this newfound love for Portuguese football heading down to Lusitania, is that, this is because they're actually going to the World Cup. This is your new thing, is it? Ditching culture. <laughs> I don't know if it's my new thing because um, Tim Spears, who covers Wolves uh, right. for us, obviously they are... Lusitanian Premier mm. League outfit, so he's done a good job of covering them. But I just happen, I obviously booked to go to Porto for uh, hoping that it would be Portugal, Italy. Said it wasn't, so I still went. Had a right. nice time also there. Went to Braga, and then and then yeah, I've, I'm doing an underdogs piece for the Athletic, where I, I've actually just come off the phone with Benfica's CEO, which was because oh, yeah? we, we got to talk about Rui Costa, who is the new president. I mean, he's obviously been right. there for for a long time, but. Uh, Rui Costa now, uh, as, as the CEO said to me, he was, uh, he was a very good number 10, and now he's a very good number one, just nice. he's not a goalkeeper. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything else? Any other little indiscretions? In uh, no, I mean, a, a lot of it was about the kind of state of Portuguese football. Um, you know, how can it be competitive at this level um, when it's such a small TV market and... Um, you know, a huge source of revenue for them is is selling the best players that they produce. You know, it's, it's a very difficult juggling act. So, um, you know, I think there was a period where Benfica were, were even considering selling 25% of the, the limited company to um, to a foreign investor, this John Texter from, from the States. So it, it, was, it was an interesting chat. I think, I think they're... They're just they're trying to follow the IX model, really, and that's the only mm. way you can you can be competitive, given where they are, where they are, and they're they're not a Premier League side, or they're not one of the top two in Spain, or one of the top three in Italy. So interesting. I would like to make an honor, honorary mention to Adel Tarapt. He may be playing as well uh, this game, even though there is a slight chance that uh, he he won't be featuring because he still carries a, a, an injury. But he's going to do his best to play this game. And, uh, you know, he was a player who entertained us a lot uh, when he was in Premier League. And there is a chance that he's still uh, running this midfield on uh, Tuesday evening. Mm. The other game on Tuesday, of course, is 
Villarreal against Barn. We'll be talking about that with Christoph in a little bit. But next up, let's get a quick check on the City Our title race. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line and we've got Simon from Manchester on the line. Yeah, and I'm stressed about the potential of a Liverpool City Champions League final, Paddy. Sounds like an epic, Simon. Yeah, but one team's going to come off really badly. Who's that? My lot. Man United. It's not always rewarding being a football fan. But if it's rewards you're after, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online Bet Builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. Seven-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Two huge results in the City Out title race. James. Inter winning in Turin and Napoli Sunday afternoon away in Bergamo against Atalanta. The kind of performance we didn't think they had in them, I think. Yeah, Napoli uh, have come back. Um, yeah, they, they keep doing things that make you doubt them and say, OK, that's Napoli finished. You know, you go back to the Christmas time when they lost first game of the season, which was against Inter, which seemed to really kind of not only uh, bruised them psychologically, but they, they lost Victor Osserman, who had a fractured cheek and eye socket after that game. It was out for some time. And then they lost players to the African Cup of Nations, you know, Koulibaly, Anguissa. Um, and then they, uh, when City A resumed, they went on a good run, but then they lost to Milan. Um, and you thought, okay, that's it. They're done. Um, and yet, uh, yeah, they, they keep getting off, getting up off the canvas and, this win in, in Bergamo was was huge, um, and uh, you know it happened on the pitch. We we were lucky enough to have Gianfranco Zola on mm. Golazzo on on Sunday, and, and Gianfranco was part of a a title winning team at Napoli in nineteen ninety that did win in Bergamo, but uh, you know only <laughs> only after a uh, it was nil nil, and then a coin was thrown, which may or may not have hit was it? one of his teammates, mm. Al- Alimao, and mm. uh, the the masseur of. Uh, of Napoli at the time told him to stay down he did uh, and they, they they managed to get uh, the results overturned and it, it became a win didn't it a 2-0 win uh, so um, more impressive this time because Napoli won 3-1 Insigne scored a penalty wonderful goal for from uh, Politano uh, which was a free kick which was just dinked over the wall for him to volley over his shoulder probably the goal of the weekend in Serie and then Elmas on the counter-attack so yeah Atalanta haven't been great shakes at home um, so far uh, this season, but uh, a really important win, nevertheless. Yes, indeed. It put Napoli level on points with Milan, who are playing Monday night. Uh, We're recording this Monday afternoon, so Milan up against Bologna with the chance to open up a three-point lead again. Then Sunday evening, into themselves, pulling to just three points behind the leading pair with a victory away at Juventus. Tremendously impressive second half, would you say, this from, from Inter. Resolute stuff from Simone Inzaghi's team after what had been a really rotten run of form. Yeah, just one win in seven, and that came against bottom of the table, Salernitana. Um, so Inzaghi needed this, you know, on the eve of the game. Gazette della Sport was saying that, well, 
if they don't emerge victorious from the from the debut d'Italia and they end up finishing fourth, maybe the club will think twice about uh, extending his contract. So, you know, it was a gutsy second half performance uh, from from Inter that was kind of more reminiscent of Juve than it was uh, of Inter in that it was backs against the wall, defend your own penalty area. I think that was quite unexpected given Brozovic was back from suspension and you know, Inter, even during this rotten run um, over the last six weeks, have played good football when he's been fit and available. You know, they've been possession-based, played high up the pitch, slick into changes, created lots of chances. In this, there was none of that. They they won with their only shot on target, which was a penalty. And Juventus played the better football. And it was quite ironic that Allegri, who so often advocates winning ugly and not having a philosophy, just getting it done, kind of said, well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm absolutely vindicated in believing that because we played really well and we lost. Hmm. So, um, yeah, at least, uh, yeah, Allegri seemed quite relieved afterwards in saying, look... Carte blanche to go least, and stink the place out now. Well, yeah, that, and uh, at least people won't be talking about us in the title race anymore. Right. We're out of it. Mm. Um but um, yeah, some controversy about the, the 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 penalty that ultimately decided the game, even though the decisions were correct. Basically, there was a foul on Denzel Dumfries. Um, Morata stood on his toe, um, and uh, that that was given as a penalty. Then Chalanolu took it. I mentioned Divrai was running into the the penalty area before he'd actually struck the ball, and so Chesney's save was null and void, and he had to take it again, and he scored it. Um, but yeah, I mean, really good game in front of a uh, a full house at the Allianz Stadium. That's that was another thing that um, was great about this weekend was was uh, finally crowds being back, hundred percent capacity. I mean, we've had that all season in the Premier League. It's the first mm. time um, in Italy, and you could really feel it. I, I felt both in Bergamo for the for the the Atalanta Napoli game, and and certainly in in this one, incredible atmosphere for for what is you know the the marquee fixture of, of Serie A. Mm. Puts Inter, as I mentioned, three points off the top of the table, though Napoli do have a game in hand on them. Uh, meantime, for Juve, five points, the margin over fifth-place Roma, who are on a bit of an unbeaten run now under Jose Mourinho. They were victorious away at Sampdoria a little bit earlier on Sunday. From Juve's point of view, you mentioned that they had, I think, 22 shots in the end, dominated certainly the first half and most of the second as well. Paolo Dybala, who started even though he's now departing the club and had the chance here to send maybe a little bit of a message, maybe spark some regrets among the management, uh, unable to to make the difference for Juve. And the same goes for the big January signing, Dusan Vlavic. It's now a while since he actually scored a, a goal for them. What's going on with Juve? Well, uh, one of the surprising things about their performance against Inter was how well Adrian Rabiot played. Mm. <laughs> and uh, this still goes back to, to a point, uh, I think that relates to your question, which is, I think Juventus midfield still lacks creativity, uh, still lacks that uh, a player who can make that incisive killer pass. Very often they go wide, they get Cuadrado or one of the wing backs to cross it in. Dybala is someone who loves to actually carry the ball and dribble rather than be the guy who threads the needle. Uh, a lot of the time and so the service into Vlajevic uh, isn't great and it, Juventus played in a different way uh, than the Fiorentina Fiorentina like to play high they like to press 
Uh, they regain the ball quickly and then get it into the box and he finishes off chances. Juventus often play in a low block, uh, far away from goal. Um, they boot the ball long um, to Vlajevic. And so now, I mean, he's played 12 games for them and he hasn't scored in eight of those 12 games. So I'm sure they'll get it right. I, I actually thought the lineup uh, in the Debit Italia was pretty interesting because it was probably the boldest and most attacking that we've seen from Allegri so far this season in that uh, Rabiot was in midfield with Locatelli, who now looks like he's going to be out injured for some time. I think he sustained a, a knee injury, had a scan on on, on Monday morning. Uh, but then behind Vlajevic, it was Dybala as a 10, Cuadrado as, a, as one of the wingers, and Morata on the other flank. The issue is that Dybala is, is, is going in the summer, Cuadrado's contract is up, and uh, Juventus have an option to buy Morata, which they may or may not take. So uh, as much as you could look at, at, at Sunday night and say, OK, well, maybe this is the, the future for Juventus, um, the only thing that's guaranteed about that is, is, is Vlajevic up front and and Chiesa coming back when uh, when when he recovers from the the knee surgery he had. Mm. All right, we'll hear more about City a little bit later on. But next up, we'll check in with Christoph Biermann. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is excellent news for Everton fans when they make their Lampardian transition from serious to funny to serious once again. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Jetzt ist der gut, immer noch ein Kongo. Gute Schussposition für Olmo. Olmo aus der Ferne. Olmo! This time, delighted to say that Christoph Biermann joins us now for the big pack of Bundesliga stories uh, to talk about and beyond, actually. But, uh, Christoph, first of all, I'm sure everyone's attention was caught by the extraordinary exploits of RB Leipzig this weekend, visiting Dortmund and their mighty yellow wall, 81,000 there to welcome them, and a 4 1 victory for Domenico Tedesco's side. Incredible stuff. Yeah, and 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 a, another uh, chapter of the uh, depressing part of the Borussia Dortmund story this year. Mm. I mean, you mentioned it, 81,000 uh, in the stadium for the first time after 763 days because we, uh, until this weekend, or until last weekend, we had this... Um, uh, st- still a, a lot of reduced capacities and and, and all, all this kind of stuff. I think we were the last big league in in Europe to have it. So it should be the the great return of the yellow wall, the great return of the um, of Borussia Dortmund. And there were, I mean, there are some players who hadn't played in front of uh, capacity stadium at, in Dortmund so far. But yes. Um, Again, it was depressing and impressive uh, by uh, RB Leipzig. 
being extremely effective in front of the opponent's goal. Mm. Erling Holland was back for Dortmund, but it was Christopher Nkunku once again yeah. who did the damage. What, what an incredible season he's having. But Leipzig in general, since Domenico Tedesco took over from Jesse Marge, am I right in saying they went from, they've gone from 11th to 4th? Yeah, and how can we tell the story uh, to to not be unfriendly to Jesse Marsh? But let, let, let's put it like <laughs> let's put it like this. Maybe he was uh, the right guy at the wrong <laughs> club or, mm. or whatever. But uh, you 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 could see that um, it it was a um, a big mistake to to sign him. But they corrected it and they corrected it with the right guy, Domenico Tedesco, who also. I mean, he had a difficult time at Schalke, very good in the beginning, then then struggling in his second season, and and I think he he took a wise decision to go to Spartak Moscow at that time and was very successful there, also very popular among uh, among the friends, and now he's back in German football, and he looks like a yeah a, a mature full grown coach who is able to coach uh, um, a top team in the bundesliga will they be able to hang on to the players that he's got and, and and maintain this kind of trajectory at the moment they're the best team since the turn of the year they've got the best record in the the bundesliga might they be a side to actually produce a real title rival for for bayern next season yeah, um, I, I think so, but but um, <laughs> we, we're, we're always looking for the real rival for Bayern Munich, and over the last year we we actually have, haven't found one, and uh, and I think still the gap um, between uh, Bayern and the rest of the league is is too big. There was a a big in interview with Sebastian Kehl uh, with Süddeutsche Zeitung uh, some days ago. So the su- successor of Michael Zorg as the sports director of Borussia Dortmund, and and he was uh, he was mentioning again the um, financial situation of Borussia Dortmund, and their financial gap is what about. And when you look at the payroll, it's about 150 million uh, between them and and Bayern Munich. Maybe the numbers are big, bit too big, but but uh, the gap is enormously, and and that's about the same gap as uh, it is between Borussia Dortmund and the last of the table, uh, uh, that is Greuther Fürth, this money table. So. I, I I think actually as long as Bayern Munich is not making I mean, massive, catastrophic errors, uh, they will maintain their uh, position. Mm. Well, they're currently nine points clear, six games remaining. They had a 4-1 victory themselves away at Freiburg. What do you make of uh, RB Leipzig's prospects against Atalanta Thursday night, Christoph? Uh, um, I think they... We, we, we talked about it already a bit last week, and, and, and I, I think... Um, their form, and I normally would say it's it, it's it's pretty open. But when you look at the at the form of the both teams, I think probably RB Leipzig is is in the better form uh, right now. James, would you agree? Yeah, I think the, the surprising thing with Atalanta since uh, the turn of the year is that up until Sunday, when they lost at home to Napoli. They had the best defensive record in Serie A. It's not something you associate with with Atalanta. You know they are supposed to be the free-scoring side, um, and yet 
I think they've had to recalibrate a little because of the you know, the sale of Robin Gosens to, to Inter, the injury to Duvan Zapata, although Zapata was surprisingly back on the bench um, for, for the Napoli game. He didn't come on and play. Uh, and I think, to be honest, I wouldn't expect him to start uh, against Leipzig just because he has no minutes uh, in his legs. Um, but yeah, that has surprised me. And, and Demiral in particular is, is just the latest centre-back. I mean, he was already very good when he came over from Turkey, played for Sassuolo and moved to Juventus. But, um, you know, he has got better and better as the season has gone on. And particularly in, in the Champions League, in the Europa League, has been, uh, has been fantastic. So it, it sounds to me like he'll have to be fantastic um when he he comes up against Dinkunku and and uh, and Leipzig on uh, on Thursday and Dani Olmo I would like to point out that this guy was out of Leipzig for the beginning of the season and he didn't really gain his form or regain his form until February because last year the Spanish FA got crazy and they decided to cap Pedri and Dani Almo and a few more, not only for the Euros, but also for the Olympics. And some of those players, they suffer injuries uh, in the pre-season, and then they haven't been able to feature for their clubs until 2022. But Dani Almo is a key figure for Leipzig as well. He scored the goal the other day against Dortmund, and in between the lines, he's probably one of the most clever players of the Bundesliga. Mm. Andre Silver as well, dangerous once again. Uh, Christoph, the other uh, German side's in European action, as mentioned Bayern Munich against Villarreal. Not sure how how much how many column inches are being dedicated to that clash. Uh, uh, <laughs> how, how much fuss there is over that. And there's also Eintracht Frankfurt against Barcelona. But but tell us about Bayern and, and Villarreal first of all. Uh, may I tell this a funny story uh, that that is making big headlines in Germany right now? Before that, with the substitution that went wrong <laughs> in uh, Freiburg, because still maybe um, uh, the points are taken away from Bayern Munich because for eternal 16 seconds. Uh, they had uh, 12 players on the pitch in Freiburg. They were. 3-1 uh, up and uh, Julian Nagelsmann brought in two new players and uh, his team manager Kathleen Krüger uh, she she put on the numbers but the, she made a, a very big mistake because she put up as the second player to be substituted the number 29 and that was uh, the number of uh, um, of command last season but this season it's 11. So when she put up the 29, there was no 29 to leave the pitch. And, 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 it, and it was Nico Schlotterbeck, the uh, new German national defender from Freiburg, who was, he was very quick in, in counting that there were uh, <laughs> 12 players of Bayern on the pitch. And, and uh, they, he, he told it and they corrected it. But now there is an interesting situation that Freiburg has to, to decide if they want to file a protest because um, uh, because it's not a kind of I don't know how uh, official incident where the German FA uh, goes after it so Freiburg has to file a protest and um, and they have to decide about it and I think it's it's a complicated for situation for them because um, 
I mean, normally you would say, I mean, we were 3-1 down. It was five minutes to go and it was 16 seconds and go on. But but on the other side, it's, um, hey, we could qualify for the Champions League. And and wow. and, and, and what, 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 what do the people at our club, maybe they see it as a liability issue that we haven't complained and then they go after us. So you see there is a, a big moral uh, thing going on and that was leading maybe far too much away from Villarreal. <laughs> right, no, no, but uh, there's probably more to say. Well, the perception might be that there's more to say about that than there is of Villarreal's prospects. Although, I don't, I don't know, Alvaro, I, I, they've lost three of the last four league games, but they have this extraordinary ability to soak up teams' tactics and and spring surprises. They have done it against Manchester United in the UEFA Europa League final. They did mm. it against Chelsea in the European Super Cup and it, all, it almost worked for them. Mm. They did it against Juve, but I don't think that they will be able to do it against Bayern. I mean, Villarreal imposed their a slow tempo most of the times, but this Bayern, how do you... How do you actually slow down a Ferrari? Uh, because this Bayern is one of them. And this Bayern has so many strong players that physically they can run over Villarreal. I think that this task is too much for Villarreal, especially now that Goretzka is back. Because I could hear the other day Julian Nagelsmann saying after the game that Goretzka is a very thoughtful player. And I was thinking, what does he mean with this? And probably Christoph uh, can tell us. But I think like he was referring to how much tactically, Goretzka understands what the manager is asking him to do. And I think that him being back is so important for Bayern as well. The only key player that Bayern is missing now is Alfonso Davis. They have recovered Neuer, they have recovered everyone who was injured, and now I believe that Bayern is in the place to challenge for this Champions League, especially now that Goretzka is back and will play alongside Kimmich. And, and, and I think this, this uh, a little um, corridor of time when, when, when we were already discussing a bit of uh, are they not probably getting into uh, problems before the um, uh, game, uh, the second game against Salzburg, uh, I mean, where they almost destroyed Salzburg. And, um, and I think Alvaro was right. For me, they are also now uh, a strong contender for actually win the whole thing. Mm. What do you think, Christoph, about Eintracht Frankfurt's chances against Barcelona? Uh, it, it's, I, I mean, normally they are huge outsiders, um, especially as, as also uh, Barcelona seems to uh, re recover spectacularly and, um, and they, don't, they don't have enough uh, quality to, uh, to match this. But what they have is, um, we, we, we talked about it already, I mean, they love this uh, competition and, and, and they, they will make it, uh, uh, there will be two big nights for Frankfurt and I think uh, they will make it show and, and maybe, maybe uh, then in the end it's, it's football and, and then you, you, have a, you have a tiny chance and if there is a, 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 a team that might grab it, it's, 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 uh, it can be Eintracht Frankfurt, although they are um, their game uh, against Fürth uh, this week and uh, uh, goalless draw <laughs> wasn't impressive at all. So I think at Barcelona people are not actually uh, under or uh, that they have to, to go to Frankfurt. Mm. They haven't lost a game, Barcelona, since early December. But it was 
back then a German side that defeated them. A German side by the name of FC Bayern. Anyway, there you go. Christoph, thank you so much for all of that and uh, look forward to catching up with you next week ahead of the second legs. Thank you, guys. Bye. Christoph Beerman. Barcelona have been racking up the goals of late. It was only one this weekend for them, but a crucial one. You mentioned, Pedri, back at the start, but that, that 1-0 win putting Barcelona second. Where were they when, when Xavi took over, Alvaro? Well, they were definitely not in Champions League positions, that's for sure. I and I remember ninth. that by mid-November, James, mm. uh, Barcelona... Uh, there were like six teams in La Liga that had scored more goals than Barcelona. And since Xavi's arrival, all that has been corrected. Barcelona is second now, and it's the second team uh, with most goals scored, all together with Atletico de Madrid. The first one mm. is still Real Madrid. What did you make of their performance against Sevilla then? I think that it was a brilliant football game. I think that Sevilla played very professionally despite uh, their injuries. I think that Sevilla was capable of uh, defending well. Barcelona didn't create many great chances. But in these kind of games, uh, the team that dominates and the team that has the best players tends to win. Usually it happens. And uh, this time the best player was Pedri. Uh, I cannot describe well how excited I am uh, about Pedri. I think that I haven't been a Spanish talent, I haven't seen a Spanish talent like this for a while now. I think that only Ansu Fati is uh, of that level, but Ansu Fati, sadly, is getting plenty of injuries in these early stages of his career. But what Pedri does is unbelievable. Not only uh, the fact that he levitates on the pitch, that he can play with the left, with the right, he controls the ball in any possible way, but also the fact that sometimes does impossible things effortlessly. And his goal against Sevilla was one of them. Well, that is putting Barcelona second in the table. And the truth is that uh, this game was very important as well, just to you know, consolidate what they achieved at Santiago Bernabeu two and a half weeks ago when they mm. beat them 4 nil. Because it would have been a little bit pointless to beat Real Madrid to believe that there is a title race, even though I don't think that there is. But if Barcelona wants to believe, wants to believe that they can win the title, they definitely have to beat Sevilla, and they did it. Excellent. And, of course, there's that fat new sponsorship deal with Spotify, which is going to uh, bring some changes to the uh, Barcelona shirts as well. Yeah, and not only to the ground, because the ground is going to be called Spotify Camp Nou, in that nice. order. Mm. Uh, but also, I think that the most remarkable thing is that five times a season, three times in the league, two times in UEFA competitions, Spotify can change the logo and put the name of a song in it and the, and the, the name of the author of the song. So... You know, that's a possibility. We may see something like uh, Barcelona playing uh, with their shirt saying with or without you by U2, for example, or mm. Ed Sheeran and whichever song of him. So this is a possibility, yeah. Wow. I'm sure we're, our minds are racing with the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. All right, they're up against Eintracht uh, Frankfurt in the Europa League. The other games are RB Leipzig against Atalanta, which we mentioned. That's the early game on Thursday. Then you've got Braga Rangers the game in Frankfurt, and West Ham-Leon. We'll hear from Jules on that later on. In the conference, meantime, the early game is Feyenoord-Slavia-Prague. Then at 8 o'clock, you've got Marseille against Pauk, Leicester against PSV, and Bodo Glimt-Roma. That's right, it's happening again. Roma facing something difficult in the cup, and that's not just the sausage water they sell as refreshment at the Asmira Stadion when they met in the group stages. 6-1! 6-1! Bodo Glimp beat them, and they drew in Rome, and they beat Celtic home and away, and they put out AZ Altmar in the next round, and here they are in the quarterfinals. To tell us more about the Norwegian champions, 
the team that finished 19 points clear in Norway at the end of last season. Torkris and Carlsen joins us now. Everyone, since the draw was made, has been drooling over the notion of Bodo Glimp facing Roma again. That 6-1 back in, when was it, November? Was that, was that one of the most famous nights in, in the club's history? It's got to be. I mean, the history is not is not that um, full of uh, memorable nights, to be honest. I mean, that's a it's a club that I guess had its heydays in the well before even I was born, possibly. So sixties, uh, early seventies, around there. I might be um, missing with a few years there now, but um, no. I mean that that was obviously a big a big night. I mean, prior to that, we've had obviously. Rosenborg, they've beaten, um, you know, Real Madrid. They they had that famous night at San Siro in '96, was it '95? Um, but um, well, this yeah, it was pretty special. Well, they they've proved as well they're no flash in the pan. Roma, I think it's fair to say James Horncastle are in a better place now though than they were back then. Are you confident about Roma's ability to go there and get a result? <laughs> Look, James, uh, Mourinho will have to say very little, I think, in in his kind of dressing room team talk um, because it was a humiliating uh, night when they last went to play Bodo Glimt. I mean, 6-1. Uh, it's one thing to lose by that kind of scoreline to Manchester United, to Bayern, Bayern. Munich, to Barcelona, which is, is, is what uh, Roma do every couple of years. Um, but... Um, you know, for, for for it to happen to Bodo, with all due respect to them, they have really surprised a lot of people over the last two years. Felt like a uh, a real nadir in uh, Jose Mourinho's coaching career, uh, and also, I mean, when they when Bodo came to play at the Olympico, I mean, they could have won there as well. Um, scored eight goals in two games, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they've lost some players in in the meantime, but um, Roma have not always been convincing in their current unbeaten run, which stretches to, what, seven or eight games now. The derby changed that. Um, the, the 3-0 win, it's given everybody a lift. There's a lot of kind of uh, interest in their game against Sampdoria um, at the weekend because it was like, okay, it comes after an international break. Can they build on the momentum that they they had in the derby? And to be honest, okay, they only won it by a single goal, but that goal came... Uh, it was 20 passes. Uh, every player was involved in, in it, apart from Sergio Oliveira. And Mourinho said, look, if I wasn't called Joshua Mourinho, he'd be standing in front of me right now saying, wow, you're a fantastic coach. Your build-up play is magnificent. But because it's me, uh, you're not saying that. Um, so they are, they, are in a, they are in a better place. Um, but phew, I'm not, not, not prepared to write, write off Bodo after everything we've seen from them, not only in the in the group stages, but in right. the last couple of years. Absolutely. Well, that victory, that 6-1, that was last season, of course, for Bodo, because since then they've had their their off-season, and they've only just started again in the Elite Syrian, uh, or how, however that should be properly pronounced. 2-2 against Rosenberg, Sunday night. How are they compared to last November, Torkris? Are they, are they stronger? Have they lost a lot of, uh, of, of their players? Well, that's the thing. I mean, um, throughout the... Miracle of Budoglimt, if you like, that's been lasting now for a couple of years. They've kept um, losing the best players almost um, in every transfer window. And uh, in January, I think they lost four of uh, the four 
you, you could fairly say four of the best players went. Top scorer went to Russia. National team centre back went to uh, to play in Germany. The left back Björkan went to Hertha Berlin, and Patrick Berg went to um, to Lens. Um, and uh, the latter, you know, was a big loss. Obviously, he was the Pirlo, if you like, you know, the architect who kind of kept the team ticking and dictated the pace. But they just kept replacing them, and. Um, you know, um, I've obviously worked in football for quite uh, quite some years and um, how they've managed to rejuvenate their team year after year now shouldn't be possible. I mean, it's not as though they're spending all their money on fancy new recruits from big leagues. They're all taken from smaller clubs in Norway or the old foreigner from, from Iceland or from, from, from Africa or what have you. And um, it's, it's just incredible. So, I mean, even... Though they've, you know, they beat Celtic twice, they beat Azet at home and then they drew away. And even then we're kind of just waiting for this machinery to kind of, to stop. Because it's it just seems that they are defying logic to a certain extent. So, you know, it's easy to say, but I, I would... I would be very, very surprised if they, <laughs> if they were to knock out Roma. It just, it just wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But then that's the kind of thing they do. The sausage water tour, Christian, they, it, it's been making headlines in the UK. Have you had it? <laughs> no, thankfully right. not. I, okay. I, I, maybe I should have had it. To, Is to it a common thing in Norway? <clears throat> dodgy throat. Ah. No, I've, I, I, I'm pleased to tell you that it's the first time I've, I've seen it. And right. um, it might have been a April's Fool for whatever I know. I ah. hope it is anyway, James. All right. Well, possibly so. Possibly so. Well, we shall see then Thursday if Bodo Glimp can do it all over again against Roma. Uh, but that's magnificent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tor. Thank you. Excellent. Tor Christian Carson there. The winner of that tie, what a fascinating tie it is too, will be up against uh, Leicester City or PSV Eindhoven in the semi-final. Remarkable. All right, to touch on the other Europa League and conference uh, games and to tell us a little bit about Paris Saint-Germain, how they finally had that win they were kind of been hoping for all season this weekend, but how everyone's still grumpy. Up next, it's Julien Laurent. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Julian Laurence joining us now. Hi, Jules. Hi, Jimbo. Uh, all good. Very good, thank you. And you? 
Yeah, yeah. We missed you earlier on. What was your moment of the week? Because I know the guys were wondering. Yes, I mean it has to be the uh, the Brest fans who travel all the way from Brest to Montpellier for oui. uh, the team's uh, game, which is I think probably around a ten-hour drive. Uh, so the team uh, win two-one. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they will be remembered, obviously, for the attitude of those fans uh, before the TG Savanier penalty for Montpellier right at the end of the game, where they, they show their bum uh, behind the goal to right. try to put off TG Savanier to score the penalty. He still scored, but you have to, uh, to applaud the, um, the intent, I, I would put it that way. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, breasts and bums. Exactly. It's the complete... I thought you would like this moment of the week. Well, I do. I do. I'm quite surprised you didn't go for one of the many moments of PSG's 5-1 win over Lorient, which we described before as kind of the game that PSG fans have been waiting for all season. Yes, you're right, because it's the, the first game where all of the uh, Holy Trinity scored. Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, they were very good. Lorient are not very good, as we know, fighting against relegation. But still, it's the first game where they all scored, the three of them. And when we told Kylian after the game, this is the first game, he said, well, it's not the last. Hmm. Uh, there's, only, there's, there's not many games left this season. So maybe he meant, hey, next season, who knows? Because he was quite, um, I think he was quite honest after the game about his future, saying, I haven't decided yet. Otherwise, I would have announced it. Uh, I can still stay in Paris, of course, I can. There's new mm -hmm. parameters. There's new, there's new things going on. Uh, that is making that are making him think about the future. Maybe it is the possibility to become the PSG captain. Maybe it's the latest offer made by PSG, or maybe it's just that he knows it's Real Madrid and and that's sorted. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting, and he had an, another incredible performance. I mean, mm. it's so good. The Lorient manager Christophe Pelissier said he's he's just the best player in the world right now. There's not even a debate. He's 23, turned 23 in December, so just 23. Mm -hmm. He's already scored 213 goals in his career and, and has given already 100 assists. So this is just at 23 years old. It's unprecedented, of course, and just unreal. Mm. That's what, 315 in 323 first-team appearances. This game here certainly helped his numbers. Five goals from Paris Saint-Germain. He was involved in all of them. He scored two and assisted the other three. Neymar looked lively, even Lionel Messi scored. It was that kind of game. <laughs> it was indeed. Mm. It wasn't because the, there's still tension with the fans. We saw the ultras not, not really singing or cheering. Uh, we saw them booing Sergio Ramos, for example. I mean, why Ramos yeah, particularly? I guess he was missing out when they had this incredible protest, remember, when they booed ah. everyone, including Messi yeah. and Neymar. Maybe because he's hardly played, although he's obviously unbeaten. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, and, and PSG have done really well when he was playing, but he's only played three games or four games. And maybe it was for that, maybe it was for the waste of money, clearly, because it is a waste of money so far. I don't know, but they thought, hey, why not, why not Sergio Ramos as well? So, yeah, it was a really good performance, well needed. Overdue, of course, especially when you think of the three up front. Uh, but it doesn't solve everything, of course. No. OK, it does keep them 12 points clear at the top of Ligue 1. We must say, 4-2 winners themselves away at Saint-Étienne. That's five wins in a row for Luem, who are going to be hosting yeah. Pauk in that Europa Conference League on, on Thursday. Pauk, who excitingly have made it this far in the competition, despite only scoring 19 goals in their 14 games in the tournament since uh, entering it in the third qualifying round. I mean, that's not great, is it? 
their manager is Razvan Luchescu, son of the great Michel Son Luchescu. of the great, yeah, mm. exactly. Great, obviously, atmosphere over there. But this is a game that Marseille, especially in their form, you're right, Jimbo, they've got such a great momentum. The, the star player, the key players, Saliba, Ganduzi, Payet, all playing really well. Um, there's, there's a really good vibe around them. This was an important game. It was supposed to be played on Saturday in Saint-Étienne. There's quite a big rivalry between the two. But it, it was snowing so much that they had to postpone the game to Sunday because... Mm. No one could drive up to the ground, not even the players. There was too much snow everywhere. So the game was played on the Sunday afternoon. And Marseille, despite going a goal down, were really, really good, I thought. Very solid. And deserved, deserved that win, deserved their second place. Uh, and Rennes and, Rennes and Nice were playing each other as well. And they drew. So that was a really good opportunity for Marseille. So I expect them to go far in that competition in Europe. Uh, maybe all the way too, because they, they really have a lot going for themselves right now. OK. Fans of own goals will want to check out Saint-Étienne's Timothy Kolodziak's uh, yeah. effort in this game, which was vintage, a collector's item. Leon had a 3-2 win of Angers, and uh, they're facing West Ham on Thursday in the Europa League. Jules, how do you see that one going? I, th- I think this is a great game between two teams that are very, very different. Uh, on one hand, you've got... The, uh, the footballing ability, let's put it that way, uh, of these Lyon players who've just added another bowler uh, this week because Tete, the Brazilian from, from Shakhtar, uh, has, has been able, as we know, to, uh, to sort of break his contract with Shakhtar and, and John Lyon. And like uh, the Premier League, if you remember when Burnley wanted to sign a, a player... Victor Moses. They were not allowed. Right? Yeah, Victor Moses from, mm. from, from a Russian club. They were not allowed by the Premier League in so France. So they've been able to bring... Tete, and he's eligible to play? Yeah, and he made his debut uh, on Sunday and scored the winner as well, two minutes after coming on. Right. And he's another bowler. So they have a, a wonderful ability side, if you want, in terms of the ball, and Dombele, Fevre, Tete, Paqueta, and then Moussa Dembele to finish the, the moves. And yet, they're still so inconsistent because defensively, they're a bit all over the place. I mean, twice they led against Angers, Twice Angers came back and then they finally scored the winner with Tete with, what, 15 minutes to go or something. So this is, will be the kind of team that West Ham faced. And on the, end, on the other hand, you've got a very physical West Ham side, very efficient, excellent on set pieces, for example. So two very, very different teams that I think is going to make it for a really good game. But Lyon certainly, with the ball, have a lot to hurt West Ham when mm. things click. And certainly, I think, to bring Tete, being able to bring Tete, like... Unlike other leagues, for example, I think he's a, he's a huge bonus for them. All right. Is he eligible to play in the Europa League as well? I believe so, Jimbo. Mm. I have to say, I need to double check. Maybe now you've put a doubt in my head. Mm. Uh, but I thought that, like if it was a January transfer window, basically, where you're right. allowed to, not if you make too many signings like Barcelona, for example, they had to pick three of their four signings to go into the Europa League from January onwards. I believe for Tete is the same rule. I might be wrong. It might not be eligible, but I thought it was the case like if it was a January transfer window. Move. All right. Well, from Brest to Tete. What a, we've come full circle. <laughs> Brilliant. Anything else we should know before we wrap it up this week? Uh, just a, a little Ben Arfa story. Atem Ben Arfa, who, as, as you know, has joined Lille uh, earlier this season. And when he signed, remember, we said, well, I mean, what could go wrong with Atem? You know, we don't know. Well, what could go wrong is a bit. Of, uh, it's a little fight in the dressing room, which happened on Friday uh, after the nil-nil against Bordeaux at home again, which 
we've explained before, Lille are struggling at home, especially against the smaller sides. Uh, and Atem didn't like what he saw on the pitch, didn't like the production of the team. So he almost had a fight with Chago Dalo. And then when the manager, Jocelyn Govenek, tried to intervene, he also almost had a fight with him. So um, I doubt very much we will see Atem Benafa again uh, playing with Lille in Ligue 1 this season. That's a shame. All right, well, look forward to seeing much more of you, Jules. Hopefully from the start of the show, when we return (laughs) next week, looking back on and, of course, forward to and all that kind of thing. But that wraps it up for today's Totally Football Show. So many thanks to all who participated, from you, listener, to producer Charlie, to Christoph, until Christian, Jules, James and Alvaro. We'll catch up with you next week. Have a great time until then. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.